Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To episode 32 of The Hilo, the weekly news and pop culture podcast brought to you by journalists Pandora Sykes and Dolly Alderton. You may have noticed we've been tweaking the format a little bit of late. Our last two episodes were live recordings. Thank you so much to everyone who came to either our show at Tibbetts or our Selfridges and Google event last week. We'll be going back to regular episodes soon for those of you who hate the non-canned laughter, though we will be introducing a live one from time to time just for kicks. Today we have another author special for you with man of the internet and GQ columnist Jim Chapman, who has written a book called 147 Things, My Guide to the Universe. So this is our fourth author special and they're always a kind of deep dive into a book or an author or a subject that has piqued our interest so either telling a very brilliant story or tapping into something particularly relevant or part of the zeitgeist. So past authors have included Rennie Edo-Lodge talking about her brilliant searing book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, Elizabeth Day's gorgeous The Party and comedian Rosie Wilby's book that explores non-monogamy called Is Monogamy Dead? So we now have Jim, who's the first man on the show. Lucky me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining of us course. today. I, I really hope you don't <laughs> take offence Go on, hit me. I was very surprised. I really loved the writing. I thought, like, (laughs) as in, it's something that comes so naturally to you, obviously. Both Pandora and I found it so engaging. That's good. I think what, yeah, I think what Donnie means is it's just not what we expected. I think from the cover, it's much, it seems like it's going to be much pithier than it is. Mm -hmm. And of course, there is a lot of pith. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a word. Um, but it's, you know, it's moving and it's warm and there's a lot of different moving parts to it. Mm. Yeah. And just the voice as well, we said we kind of found so engaging from start to finish. The feedback's been really lovely, actually, particularly from people I know who have read it and know, uh, because there's lots of stuff I talk about in the book I've never talked about anywhere else, mm. uh, like my dad and, and domestic abuse and that sort of stuff. And um I've never mentioned it to anyone else, but actually having people who know me, but even with them, I don't talk about it that much. For them to actually read everything I've written, I've had people just going, I've just laughed at thing 21, then cried at thing 22. And and it's actually really nice that people have liked what I've written. Obviously, I write for GQ every month, which is amazing. And I write articles here and there, but they tend to be 500, 1,000 words, writing a whole, you know, I think it's like 90,000 words in this book, writing all of that. it's a big book. You put yourself out there and suddenly people might go, actually, he's really shit at writing. Turns out I'm okay, (laughs) which is good. (laughs) Well, I knew, I mean, I knew you were a man of myriad endeavour. Thanks. Um, (laughs) So obviously you're known primarily as being a YouTube star and you have two million followers on Instagram. You have your style column in GQ Mm -hmm. and you've worked with fashion brands such as Burberry and you also present. Mm. But, you know, the book is really not... 
it it very much glosses over actually what you've achieved. It's not remotely navel gazy, and yeah. there's a lot of personal detail, and you can tell you're obsessed with animals. Yeah, <laughs> and I learned really a lot from it. Yeah, and it's interesting because millennials, and I include myself in this, are kind of often characterised as being kind of quite inward looking mm. and quite kind of self obsessed, and yeah. then you know perhaps unfairly people who have voices on the internet are kind of characterized even more so. Yeah. It's definitely a trope of the internet. It's so, and totally. I was I was so it was so wonderful to open this book and it be a kind of very curious, wide eyed yeah. look at the world. And actually you don't really look at yourself much at all in it. Yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. Except your body. There is quite a lot yeah, of looking is. at your body. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I, I wrote after writing a certain number of things about my genitals, I was like, I can't possibly put another one in there. But They've seen a lot of things, you it's know. Ve- they've been through. They've been through a lot. It's, it's it's very honest. I mean, I absolutely love that story about the long hair that somehow so weird entrapped your penis. So and weird. um, how in the end, uh, an entire family ended up seeing it because <laughs> yeah, the doctor hadn't alerted you that your time was over I and know. their time was beginning. I and I did, I did really, I did really enjoy that. I mean, as Dolly always says, I do, I do enjoy the scatological. But actually, that wasn't even particularly scatological. It was just, it, yeah, it was really honest. And you talk about, am I right in calling it? Pu- Pubis breast? Pubic breast. Pubic breast. Yeah. Pubis breast. Yeah, pu- puberty was a really Never yeah. heard of that. But also, it's it's very cool of you to tell stuff like that. You didn't need to. No one was ever going to guess that you might have had it. It's almost been like a like an ugly duckling story in a way because I I was not an attractive kid. Um, I I went all a bit wrong when I was when I was kind of growing up, and it also was a very drawn out process and I, th- and I think now people look at me on the internet or modeling or presenting or whatever and go god he's really cool I'm actually not that cool at all <laughs> and I think that's kind of part of the charm maybe of it all and I just kind of want to really hammer that home and say I, I, I'm demythologized yeah I'm, I'm successful because I work my ass off and because I have taken advantage of the place I found myself in does not make me a cool person by any means and in fact here's my history to prove that I've just been winging it and making it up as I go along I think it depends how you define coolness though I'm really interested by you saying I'm not cool because I had such a nice realisation when you have it and I think some people actually go through their entire life not having it is mm. that like being cool is not about I don't know being really thin or having really great clothes or going to like Ibiza <laughs> you know being cool to me is someone who like knows knows themselves and works hard and is really invested in not just work but family life the world as, Do- as dolly says curiosity that that yeah. thirst for knowledge like that's actually what makes a cool person to me not if someone's like i don't know wearing like a gucci shirt yeah but you are a higher being for saying that because like that's not Thanks really much, the, yeah. <laughs> that's not really i think when i when i use the word cool i mean kind of you know the universal cool but mm. actually you're totally right when you when you reach that point where actually you know, I work in London, do some really cool stuff, but my favourite part is when I get to go home with my family and Me do too. nothing, put my feet up. People don't think that's actually cool. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Really, it's, it's what I think really cool is the chance to take a step back and go, whew, that was, that was great, but now I'm, what, what really I'm matters. I'm in my real place. And again, that's what I kind of want to cover in the book. But um, yeah, in that, if, if you look at it that way, I'm the coolest cat there is. <laughs> but I think externally, not that cool. And how would you describe, just for anyone at home who hasn't heard about the book or who wants to buy the book, how would you describe what's your kind of hard sell of it? Okay, it's been really tough, actually, because when, when people first started asking me this question, I was like, it's about everything. Uh, and then that does it not... It really is about everything, Yeah, but that does not about. make people want to, want to invest in the book because they're like, well, cool, so what? Be more specific. So actually, the way I look at it now is whether it's the big things or the small things, whether it's about kangaroos having three vaginas or it's about my stepdad passing away or something really big and hitting... Everything gives you a chance to take a step back 
and look at your life and reflect and go, do you know what? We've been a species on this on this planet now for 200,000 years in this form. We're doing all right. We're not dead yet. Whether it be death or whether it be the fact that um, I had to be circumcised at 15, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's all good. And, and actually, you just want to have a step back and have some perspective and um, and take a moment to breathe. I think that's kind of what, it, what it's yeah. really about. It's kind of your worldview, isn't it? And drawing on your personal experiences as well as kind of yeah. the curiosities and eccentricities of biology and animals. Totally. And... and I have to say, when I first started writing, I had no idea that was the purpose of this book. I just found I just wrote about things I found fascinating and things that have really affected me and have a meaning in my life. And when we put it all together, I was like, shit. Yeah, you know what? It's like it's actually quite zen when you when you take a moment and think about it. It gives you a chance to really think about what's important. You know, Brian, my my stepdad who passed away at the beginning of this year, I say something in, in the book that actually he was he had the busiest room in, in the hotel in the hospital. You know, there were people who were going through a similar circumstance to him who were all alone. We had to have shifts of people who could be in and out of his room because he was so loved. And you know, you can't buy that. That's what's really important. You know, and at the end of the day, whether you're you know writing books, you're on TV, or you're doing whatever you are, what, what's really important. Is the people who who have you have connections with and who are going to be there for you? Your passage um, about Brian was really moving and a really kind of funny and touching homage to him, and we wondered if you might want to read it for us. I can share a bit, yeah. Okay. Brian was a bit of a dipstick. He could never get a saying right, and would come out with corkers like "I feel like a beached cow." To which we all replied, beached whale, Brian. Or, uh-oh, I'm in the dog bed now, when he had done something to irritate my mum. Close, Brian, but it's actually dog house, not bed. We called his little quirks Brianisms. Another Brianism was that he was prone to sharing a story for everything. He always knew a guy who had done or experienced whatever the current conversation was about, and had a cautionary tale for every possible circumstance. Two of my favourites were a fable about a man who got eaten by a bear, all but the shoes. And the one he told when I was going snowboarding, how trees are the biggest killers of people out on the slopes. Apparently, people go too fast and hit them. As it happens, most of his tales had an element of truth to them, but it was the way he delivered them that made them gold. I could write an entire book about the way I think his head worked, but in the end, the world continues to turn. The show goes on and life proceeds. The memories I have of Brian and the lessons I have learnt from him will make it all that bit easier. So here's to my Brian and all the other Brians and the Hillarys and the Williams that live on in our memories. We will miss them, but we will remember them and we will live the best, most exciting, most extraordinary lives we can with them in our hearts and minds because they were taken too soon and they deserve so much more. <laughs> that was love. We love that bit. We found it both found it very moving. Yeah. I think I, I wrote that the day after he passed away. And I can talk about it now because it's been, you know, God, the best, so really best part of the year. Yeah, but that was the day after and... Yeah, God, it was really hard, but I just mm. felt like I knew it was coming and I didn't know whether I was going to write something or not, but I, it was sort of so cathartic that day because that day was just awful. My entire family in my house just kind of, it was, it, was, it was just a rotten day. So I had to just sneak off to my, to my, my bedroom, my mum's house and just sort of type away. But it, it was actually, having written it, it felt just good to get it out, you know? Mm. Some of the things that I learned and loved in no particular order um, were that, and I actually kept ringing my husband to tell him some of these, <laughs> that a group of baboons is a flange. I know, a flange. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoyed yeah. that it's a bloat of hippos, yeah. a rumba of rattlesnakes, and an embarrassment of pandas. Yeah. I know, brilliant. I love the revolting story about the kangaroo's pouch, which is basically three isn't separate that, vaginas joined together gross? by yeah. fleshy tennis rabbit. <laughs> uh, why a sneeze is not, in fact, an eighth of an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really so busting the myth. <laughs> I've definitely yeah. sneezed eight times in a row and not felt glorious afterwards. <laughs> no. And that a bee's testicles explode and they shoot backwards and die once they've shot their load yeah, into the, the queen poor, bee. Poor who's, bees. who's had like 200 gangbangs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sui goer. suicide male sex bees. 
essentially. <laughs> we really liked, obviously, those kind of funny, zanier bits. But we also, as we said, we were very, very moved by what you said about Brian. Mm-hmm. And it was also, we think you handled the story of your father in a very sensitive way. Right, and you told yeah. that story very beautifully. Because obviously mm. you start the chapter by saying this is a story you're telling for the first time. Yeah publicly yeah totally i mean actually my sisters had mentioned it before on their videos but so on my videos i I like to be a a positive place you know if i'm having a tough day or something i just choose not to share that with people because i I think that if someone gets home from work or school or whatever and and they've had a bit of a tough day the last thing they want is for me to unload my problems on them so i like to think that they can watch me for five ten minutes and just go that was i feel a bit better now but i've experienced things you know and i and and there's there's a lot that goes on in my life that I, I don't share. And I, I felt like writing in a book gave me the chance to really think about the way I was saying it. The thing with videos is that it can often be a bit tell-all and it can be a bit throwaway and it doesn't necessarily mean as much. And I'm totally aware of that with the job I have. You know, I'm lucky that I do a lot of entertainment and people can just watch and they can learn about fashion or whatever. But it's it's quick and it's consumable. I really wanted a chance to think properly about every single word. and And also not like a portion blame because... Bless him. He, he he did some terrible things, but he was go, he was going through a tough time, and that's just the the, the way he he knew how to deal with stuff. I um, lo- yeah, I love that. That's how you open that chapter is before you tell the story of your father with his um, alcoholism mm. and tales of domestic abuse. You start by saying, "I don't believe my father was a bad man." No, I don't think he was. I think he just he was dealt a shit hand, and some people deal with it terribly. My, my, he had MS. My sister has MS too, but she's so so much different with it i think she saw the way he was and has decided just not to be that person and is very good with it you know whereas he was just i I feel like i mean i was i was young so i feel like maybe i'm not entirely entitled to to have this opinion because i don't really know but i feel like he felt like the world owed him a favor because he was suddenly he was sporty yeah he was sporty before all this and and he used to play football and he like had trials for west ham i remember him always telling me this story and then suddenly he had MS and and couldn't do much. And I feel like he felt like the world was against him and it made him angry. And unfortunately, my mum got the brunt end of that. And and to a a certain extent, us kids too. Obviously, my mum was the one who went through everything. But for kids being in um, in that situation, especially for me and my brother, who were like babies, we didn't know what's right and what's wrong so when you learn any different of course yeah so when, when there's always tension or when there's someone being aggressive or or something like that you, you you just assume that's what everyone goes through you just think that's normal life and that's what you live with it's not until you start get visiting friends and going why do they seem so happy all the you know that's mm. when that's when you start realizing things and again i'm not saying i'm not special by any means this happens a lot it happens you know regularly and and today and, and you know years ago and it's, it's always happening but it's definitely powerful i think for someone to read that from well, someone who they were you know you are a known person so for someone to you to already be in people's consciousness and then to tell that story. That's kind of why is, why I wrote it. And that's what I like to think for people who may be going through it, whether it be, in fact, a woman, a mother who's going through this herself, or it be a young lad or a young girl who's watch, who, who watches me and, 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 you know, his or her home life isn't so good. The fact that they can read that and just go, OK, now I understand or, or they can take something from it. Uh, I think it's really important. There's a great bit where you talk about your wife and how you met when she was 17 and you were 18. And yes. it's just a really modern love story where you yeah. say it wasn't it wasn't love at first sight. It wasn't even lust at first sight. It was just her trying to get over a boy named Ryan. Yes, I know. And uh, I thought I was flirting incredibly and she thought I was her new gay best friend. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I know. Bless. Um, it all worked out in the end. She said she really... Because I, I had zero game. Um, like, honestly, awful. 
And I feel like she actually said to me she quite liked that because she had because lo- she was cute. She had loads of guys texting her going, hey, babe, we should hang out <laughs> soon. Actually, can't do that day. I'm busy. And I'd text her things like, hi, I really like you. Can we hang out soon, please? And I think she was just thought I was endearing and just went, he seems all right. Terrible hair, but I- I'll-, I'll take a punt. Yeah. And then 11 years later, here we are. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I just really liked in it how you said... You seem in the book someone who's kind of very analytical and you need to know how everything mm. works. And it was, I thought it was so lovely when you said that when you met her, it was like that kind of poured water all over that. Kind of did, yeah. I mean, I'd never had a girlfriend before her. I mean, I, I'd met girls and seen girls and fancied girls and whatever, but never actually committed to a relationship because I just sort of thought, I don't see myself spending my life with you. So there was no point because I've always been quite scientific about things. I'm like, well, you're a waste of my time. So no. And actually <laughs> it, got, it got to her and I was just really intrigued and fascinated. And I often tell her that actually, you know, 11 years on, I still look at our relationship as a, as a longitudinal study because like, she's still to this day boggles my mind i just watch her sometimes think what on earth is going on in your head she's just <laughs> she's just the most fascinating human being you could ever imagine and for someone like me who's quite scientific it's brilliant just get I, to watch her i love that you find her endlessly interesting because i find people endlessly interesting and i imagine it must be infuriating for her that it's like oh my god jim stop you know stop logging another fact about <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about me as a human um yeah. but your wife is obviously also a famous internet mm. person tanya burr who is a fellow youtube star as are your sisters yes. who are the pixie woo makeup artists and my brother and your brother it's very incestuous your yeah. brother is as well yeah. is, so, so are you all in the all of you in the youtube world the whole chapman yeah, family my mum even had a go did yeah. she well do you know what because it started we were Decided we, it wasn't for we her. were such early adopters of it so the girls started my sisters when i met them at the very beginning actually yeah and they're great and but but it started with sam my oldest my older sister was was uh, heavily pregnant and her friend that so they're both really qualified brilliant makeup artists mm. have been doing it for years and her friend was like oh i need to do a smoky eye and sam was really bored and she's just been in, in the house for like the last month growing this child I was like well i can't move because i will explode but what i'll do is I'll, I'll film it and i'll post it on this new website called youtube and you can watch it i don't think she even realized other people could watch it and then she had her baby and nick was like that's fun you know like people are watching 20 30 not many people but people were watching so she took over while sam was was rearing her child and then they kept at it meanwhile tan finished sixth form and didn't want to go to university because she met me and fell in love and she'd applied to like Nottingham or somewhere and decided she wanted to stay in Norwich. So the girls taught her makeup and then they said, start a channel. It's really cool. Then like a year or so later, I graduated and it was psychology. But in Norwich, where I'm from, there's not loads of jobs in psychology. So I was working in retail, I was working in insurance. I was working at one point I was the guy who would send the bailiffs after you which was just such a miserable existence. That is quite miserable. I was quite a nice guy and, and my, my job was to be a professional asshole. Um, and I'd get home and I'd be so sad and, and because I'm quite creative, it was really stifling. Mm. So I used to draw quite a lot, but I actually, I gave up drawing to do psychology at uni then realised I hated psychology. And I didn't see any point in drawing, I didn't see it going anywhere. So I started making videos because it was current and it was creative and it was fun. None of us knew like any of this was possible. So what year was it that you guys were all so starting? So they, I mean, I started... I, 
I started in 2010, I think. So I was going to say, I met, I met your sister six, it was six years ago yeah. that I went up to Norfolk to, I think it was when they were doing a YouTube show. But what was really funny is I was working for a website called Today I'm Wearing and I was saying, this was pre-Instagram, I was saying, so it's women sharing what they're wearing on the internet. And one of the girls, I can't remember, was like, God, I can't imagine, I would never share a picture of what I'm wearing. And obviously <laughs> now they have these massive, these massive Instagram profiles of their own. How do you, not necessarily as a family, because obviously you can't speak on the behalf of, of everyone in your family, but how do you navigate the anxieties of the internet one of the things i learned from your book is the yeah. term for fear of opinions which is allodoxophobia mm. and we obviously know that feeling as yeah. like the minorest of minor ladies of the internet we we sometimes fear opinions but how does that fare on like a giant scale for you <laughs> it's weird you know um especially for me because i feel like actually youtube and, and the internet in general is uh, uh, an increasingly small part of my job Mm. I do so much now that is not online. Um, I do, or it is online, but just not on my platform. Uh, I do lots of presenting, lots of hosting stuff, which is often live. So like if I, if I do a, a red carpet, for example, it'll be a live thing for me down down the camera. Is that a respite then from the internet, which kind can of, be kind a of is. tricky I, I, place? I think that for me, YouTube and Instagram and all, it's just a platform I use. All of it is just a, it's not, it doesn't define me. And I think the, the risk is when you become a YouTuber or an influencer, as people like to call us, that you then put all your eggs in that one basket. And cool, that's exciting. You And you bring, can bring loads of numbers in and, and you've got millions of people who adore you or whatever. But it won't last forever. And then where does it go from there? And what happens if you just want to do new things? So I started branching out purely because I wanted to try something new and I wanted to, to do more fashion stuff. But it was quite hard to be taken seriously in that industry. So then I started trying different avenues and, and I found myself here. So for me, I find it easier to deal with negativity and hate because I, it's it's not everything I do. Do you so, just ignore, you know, if you get something saying... I've got quite a thick skin doing this. What what I do have one piece of advice, which I think I might have written in the book, actually. One thing I like to do is I write out a really witty um, response, like, you're a dickhead, and <laughs> say something brilliant, but 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 then just it's delete very it. brilliant, that. But then, yeah, but then, but then just delete it, and then you think, right, I've won. I know I outsmarted you. Uh, carry on my Do you never now. reply? No. Uh, do you ever delete, So block? I do. I have a, 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 an episode on my channel called reacting to hate where i will i love good hate like i hate the whole you're gay things like that just, just <laughs> yeah. boring and, and useless yeah. and and you know just have no, no no place in my life but if there's a good one i actually think do you know what that's funny so i i will screenshot it and i will talk about it in a video or something oh um, that's cool that's yeah what james actually, blunt does isn't it yeah it kind yeah. of is yeah oh my God, i mean james blunt has He's built brutal. himself his coolest and best career yet yeah. by responding <laughs> literally to just by, it will eclipse all his music but it's kind of and also i will keep their usernames in them so some people say oh you should you should blur out their username and, and for no, me they put that out in the public well i feel so, like yeah you have to be held accountable yeah, i couldn't get i couldn't get away with saying some don't of the, say it if you can't 100%. have <laughs> i can get away with saying some of the stuff that they say so yeah. Just because I have a big platform and I've, you know, I, I don't see why I should then have to hold back. I, I'm not going to tell people to go and give them hell, obviously, but I think that just by me mentioning who they are, they're held accountable for I, saying. Awful I mean, things. I can't even imagine the sort of scale of people that you or Tanya or your sisters are reaching. Because my only tiny experience of that is when I was at the Sunday Times, I used to have to do a, a live Facebook video, and I remember my husband's like favorite insult of all times is is when someone told me I didn't know how to wear my face, <laughs> and I mean I, that that actually 
actually, thank God I can laugh at because that's not something I can go away and go, oh my God, I always knew I couldn't wear my face. It's just, it's just been confirmed. It's almost like a riddle. What is that? Yeah. Abs- yeah. Absolute riddle. I hated doing that, if yeah. I'm honest. I hated, you know, obviously we get feedback in what we do, but it's there's something about Facebook videos and YouTube videos where it's just like people are yeah. instant. They're you know just what? waiting I'm, to... I'm lucky being a guy and particularly being a guy who talks because my, my content Glad you mentioned being a guy. Yeah, it's, it, it's just... It, you don't get anywhere near the amount of hate. Do you think the internet is misogynistic? I, I think... Is it worse way, for ladies? The way it works in my head, and I might be wrong saying this, but I feel like for a guy, having a, if you've got a female audience or females in your audience, they're not going to write the same things they would to another female. And guys so just true. don't care enough. They'll be like, they might give it a thumbs up or, or, or something, but they don't waste their time. I don't comment on things. I could love a video and I watch a lot of stuff on the internet, which I think that's brilliant. But I'm never going to bother commenting on it because I, I move on with my life. So really, females comment much more. Mm, and they tend more, to be nicer to guys engaged. because for me, they're like, oh, Jim, you're so cute or I love what you're wearing or whatever. Whereas the women, they can be really cruel. And I think that's kind of the difference. As I've been doing this, my audience has got older. And more male. So have they grown up with you? Yeah, audience? a lot of them have. Yeah, and I think I, I, also I've grown up. So when I first started doing this, I was waxing my legs and doing crazy stuff. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can find on my channel me talking about fashion and style, me talking like making cocktails, me talking about things that, as a twenty-nine-year-old man, I'm interested. The in. urban sophisticate. Urban sophisticate. Yeah. <laughs> so as a result, I think the people who watch me have uh, the people who with me at the beginning have grown older some of them have disappeared mm. because they're like okay I'm not interested in you it is, it is actually the, the, the younger people and this is what I worry about and I know I sound about 100 but it is people who have much more grown up with the internet their relationship with it is, is kind of much more brutal I interviewed loads of teenage girls recently about the way they you know use social media and the stuff they say to each other is worse than the kind of yeah. stuff any of us would what I find say really to each other on the internet now is that you guys are my sort of age right so we, we kind of hit that that bracket where we grew up both ways we yeah. like, yes Exactly. My childhood. I'm so glad I didn't have Facebook yeah. at school. Yeah, my childhood, I was in tracky bottoms, smashing windows and skateboarding yeah. and like yeah. breaking into the minus, local school. Minus and... the windows, me yeah, too. Yeah, I was up to no good. Me too, was I? <laughs> I was in Gap tracksuit bottoms and Calvin Klein yeah, pants, like I'm sure you were. And yeah. like being cool was literally like a Gap fleece. It wasn't like yeah. a Michael Kors bag and the yeah. new iPhone. Jesus. But you're right, you're outside. I was like on a trampoline with my brother. And then the internet came into my life when I was... Getting an email was huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. huge. And I remember being Seismic. on MSN Messenger when I got home from school. But Oh I, my God, don't get Dolly Really? Messenger. MSN Messenger was like Dolly's, the backbone of my Yeah, Dolly's just yeah. written a book actually, and um, which hasn't come out yet. There you go, plugging it for you. And, and there's quite a lot of MSN. Yeah, in it. yeah, yeah. I loved MSN Messenger, but I think we being, you know, having a bit of both means that I'm quite adaptive to, to living my life in both ways. It's I very actually, true. I haven't thought of that before, but I think it's quite a unique thing our generation has so experienced. Is. People above us, so my mum, for example. I think we were the luckiest. Got, I yeah, really we, do. Yeah, we are, because people like my mum haven't got a clue. She's like, how do I type? And the people who are, who are younger, than us are just like born hooked in and yes, are, yes. are born to social media and I think we had no expectation we've yeah. all benefited hugely from the internet in our in our careers you know both Dolly and Definitely. Dolly and I as journalists like this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't mm-hmm. circulated My job via, exist. via social media your job wouldn't exist but we didn't have that expectation I do get sad now when I get an email from someone's going I want to be a blogger and I think yeah. god I'd, I only started my blog to get a better job in journalism and yeah. I actually I actually folded it when I realized that it, it had become the job I hadn't meant it to be yeah, of course. Um, and I think now people do use the internet in a much more 
I don't know. They, they want to see the immediate advantage of it rather than the curiosity of it, which is we were just so curious about yeah. what it could do, I mean, where we could no go with it. I have no idea how many times a day I get tweeted. Or yeah, you must. Um, I really want to start a YouTube channel. What can I do? And my advice to them is always, if you don't know what to do, don't do it. Yeah, you've got because to have a, a USB. It's about, it's about your passion. It's about things. you're Whether you're into toy trains or you're into makeup or, or whatever, talk about things you care about. There'll be an audience for you. Uh, it might not or doing makeup huge, on a train. Yeah, totally, all that stuff. <laughs> um, it might not necessarily be a huge audience, but it will be your audience and it'll be the things your that people. you're interested in when i when i gr- started growing up and changing my my content my audience dropped um, really? but i'm for me they're much more important views now so yeah. i, I yeah. could get half a million views by doing nothing like i'd go oh i'm gonna go and drink a shake with chocolate and ketchup in it and i'd get half a million views I know, it's depressing the more basic the yeah do you ever feel like people are reluctant to let you change or develop in that way is it like do yeah. you have kind of people thinking yeah but you're the guy that does this like what can you know about xyz or yeah. why are you doing xyz and how do you how do you navigate that do you just stay quite cool and sanguine yeah, about it and no, just think well this is me now so no here kind we go. of I, I you almost have to rip it off like a band-aid in a way and just sort of go for it but also i anything i talk about i like to become an expert in you know i don't want to just start talking about stuff and pretend i know what i'm on about for the sake of it i actually genuinely really interested in fashion and i've worked with some of the best brands in the world i know my stuff and i can go out there and talk about the current trends without hesitation i know what i'm talking about same thing with cars with cars i'm a bit more of a novice but I, what, I, what i like about them is i have my criteria do they look good do they sound good do they make your willy tingle when you put you, when you put your foot down you know and that's that's my but that's kind of the the every man's criteria as well yeah. you know a lot of guys yeah. when they're buying cars they don't go oh what's under the hood mate they just want to know yeah. if it looks you know they get a visceral thing and that's my take on it so i talk a lot about cars for alcohol you know i like to know how it's made and where it comes from and what you can mix it with i, I like to make sure that i am not just talking out of my ass basically and i'm and so keeping it relatable that. but with you know the the, the knowledge to yeah totally i mean partly you know, you've read the book you know what i'm like i kind of need to know the things i talk about because I, I just find the world fascinating but also i think in this industry as guys grow older they can become an expert you know and and, and a voice of authority in a way look at david gandhi you know he's 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 i don't know how old he is now but you know, he looks amazing but i'd love to look at david gandhi yeah he's but yeah is i he, have looked at david he's gandhi. not he's can also we look the, at him now <laughs> he's also the nicest guy in the world <laughs> oh is he i really hoped he was a dickhead but he's oh, yeah. not <laughs> he's lovely yeah. but you know he as he gets older he's only getting more successful because people now think right well, you you've been around the block you know your stuff and they you know they, they believe him and i think that's kind of what i want to make sure i can do i don't want to just sort of go hi so today i'm going to try my hand at something totally random which i've got no experience in and i hope you like it i actually want to know yeah. what i'm talking about so it seems like you kind of you're exploring all these other avenues mm. and your career and that's something i i obviously believe and you believe that you can be defined by more than just your youtube channel yeah i felt like there was a slight reticence in the book to to not be defined as you said just as someone kind of doing videos mm. Do you see it as part of your future in any way? Or do you see a world where you won't be doing it anymore? I mean, I don't think I'll be doing it when I'm 60. But I, I, I genuinely, I, when I started doing this, it, it, the moment was right, you know? I mean, as I work my ass off, don't get me wrong, but I was also extremely lucky. People out there doing videos that are very similar to mine who are much better than me. Better looking, they're funnier, they look better in clothes. But I... Just you was right, right page, time. right time, worked hard. Um, and I'm, I'm not willing to let that go. You know, I, I want to see how far I can take this. So I'm, I'm, although I'm focusing 
on everything else. So the way I look at it, it's not really a, a what's next. It's an as well as. Yeah. So me writing and me doing everything else doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing the other stuff. I'd be silly to because currently I'm still known as the guy from the internet. And if I were to suddenly stop doing the internet, people would be like, so you're the guy, what? Oh, yeah. the internet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> totally. And I still love it. I was going to say, do you still enjoy it? Yeah, it's totally creative. I've done TV and I've done lots of other stuff. And doing what I do, I have all the freedom. Talk about the things I want to talk about and the way I want to talk about them. I can make a video in a day. Once you've got the kit, it's free to do. Whereas TV stuff can take months and months to get going. You have to get it green-lighted by 12 people before you even get on set. And then someone else is in charge of editing you and kind of shapes what you what you say and how you say it. And mm, you lose a lot of that immediacy. Um, so, yeah, I totally love what I'm doing. I also love, you know, editorial and photo shoots. And I love doing radio and I, and I like I like doing TV stuff. So, I, you know, there's no reason I can't do more than, you know, just the YouTube. I, I, I think now, um, 2017, it's, it, it's not good enough for people to be pigeonholed anymore. You know, yeah. you can do more than one thing. You don't Still have to be a an awful lot, though, It Jesus. totally does, and I, I think, and it's hard. There is there is kind of resistance to people who want to to challenge that and do more. Mm. And certainly for me, I, you know, when I try and move into a new a new area, there are people going, but you can't. I'm like, well, why not? It can be quite hard, I think, to to do lots of other things. You're totally and right. Yeah. The only thing you could do is just keep on practicing at those different things and showing that. Yeah, You're I mean, really there, there is totally a resistance to it, you know, which is why I, I can say I like to make sure I, I am fully loaded so I can come back with, with a reply when people say that. Like me writing a film, I didn't just decide to write a film, I went on a writing course and everything. You know? And what's the film about? The film's a romantic comedy. Um, it's super early days yet and the chances are it won't ever get made because, I, you know, this is the first time I've ever done it. I don't really know how these things work. So far, so good. The feedback's been great, but I don't know what happens next. But, you know, the, the point is I, I went and learn how to do it properly yeah. rather than just going mm. cool gonna go do this now and i think that's really important so if anyone ever comes at me and goes well you you know you just bullshit i'm like i didn't i actually studied you know and i think that, and i try to do that in everything i do not necessarily with actual school but i will research you know yeah. before i start talking about stuff and i think that's really integral as i said the thing that i said to open with you know i was surprised at what an amazing book it was and i think in terms of your writing voice mm. and i think what people forget is particularly as journalists maybe we forget that like there isn't a qualification to tell a story like anyone can do it yeah. you know? yes you don't have to be a journalist to no, write a great you don't have book to, no not only journalists can write brilliant books yeah, exactly in fact lots of journalists can't write very bad write. books <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> not you dolly don't worry Thank we um, actually particularly loved the last section we thought it'd be really nice to end on that note on reasons to be cheerful mm. because you're right there's always a reason to be cheerful even if there are lots of reasons why you can also be miserable you mentioned the world's biggest rubbish clear up on a beach in India on Vasova Beach so Jim we wanted to ask you to day what's your reason to be cheerful oh um well that's a tough question i really struggled to wake up this morning actually and i'm kind <laughs> of not not in the, the best you know when it's like dark and gray you know yeah. in the best frame of mind do you know what I, I actually talking about this i think it's a whole brian thing um because obviously now we're, we're actually talking about it here and now it's, it's fresh in my mind but i just we were all we were all lucky you know he was lucky because before he met my mum and, and our family he was quite lonely you know and he loved and we loved him and that's that's really really special so i think that you know sometimes before if i'm if i'm late to bed we've got pictures of him in the house and and like i'll, I'll often just kind of give it a little wink and just sort of you know i think that's really important just so whether he's here or not i don't know I, you know i'm not sure but i think it's nice to hold on to that so knowing brian is your reason to be I cheerful think so. what's yeah. your reason to be cheerful dolly mine is those videos that you see on youtube where by jim chapman <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
uh, by Jim Chapman, uh, and also the ones that show people who reared lion cubs, and then they and then they put the lion cubs back into the wild, and then they're reunited. Have you the seen animals? Them? So that specifically does yeah, something to me. They are me. great. It's really life yeah. affirming. Oh, God, it's a big risk, though, isn't it? Because you know, I know. I do think a few that. people who are doing these now, and at one point, some lion's going to go. Oh yeah, I remember you. Still going, still going to eat you. Still going to eat you. <laughs> exactly. How about you, Panda? My reason to be cheerful is genuinely just the minute ways in which humans communicate with each other or do something lovely to each other, whether it's someone giving up their seat on the tube, someone yeah. smiling as you walk yeah. down the street. We were talking earlier about the Me Too hashtag, about women coming together and sharing their stories. And it's not female specific, but... Um, I just love, and this is definitely enabled by the internet, any way in which someone shows a kindness or a concession to someone that isn't a part of their lives that they might never see again, literally just to come together and very apt to tell a story, um, whether it's a small story or a big story. So that would be what makes me cheerful. Thank you so much to Jim Chapman Thanks for, for coming me. in for our fourth author special of the Hilo. 147 Things, The User's Guide to the Universe is out now, published by Pan Macmillan. The Hilo will be resuming normal activity next week. Until then, you can email us, as usual, show at gmail.com and tweet us at show. Thank you so much to Soho Radio for letting us record here today. Thank you very much to Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.